0: from FMU, yep. sang a few songs, had a great little uh, interview with Joe Magasco, and he's going to broadcast it on Monday the 6th, the afternoon of our show, which will be at Rockwood uh, Music Hall in New York, Stage 3, 7 o'clock Monday, June 6th.
1: Really got the plug in there just right away. <laughs>
0: Can't help myself, man. <laughs> I mean,
1: you're asking me what's happening. No, no, I know. It's, That's
0: what's happening.
1: It's funny, though. It's like, you know, you don't uh, guys don't play together for a little while, but then... It all comes back, you know. The, the the switch flicks right back on. It all
0: comes back. It all comes back oh. in one form or another. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to ask you to extrapolate upon that a little
1: bit uh, uh, as we move on. But um, so so you you uh, so you did a set. You played you played a couple songs on the air. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: yeah we paid – I don't know okay. if it's going to air them all, but yeah, it was fun. But
1: and, it was. Uh, but this that was 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 that the first time that you guys had played together and in...
0: not really but okay. this time around a few years ago we don't have an audience in town or if I'm out west yeah. we'll get together and play in one form or another for sure which is not that frequent right has not been so frequent yeah uh, but this is this is
1: a little different I mean this is the real deal we got a yeah.
0: record out you know and uh, people want it you know we want to represent the record well yeah but we're not playing as a four piece we're not really rocking out. But a big part of what we do is the songwriting, so... And the songs are great, and, you know, the lyric content is worth hearing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Reflecting on what was happening, so it's really fun to play like this, and uh, it's really... You know, we put all of ourselves into this music when yeah. we were writing it, so, you know, to me... But there's nothing left. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so it's it's fun, and, and also, I should say that one of our band members passed away, Brian Hopkins, really, we were three songwriters mm-hmm. was the core of the band and uh his daughter's in this band delta ray which is pretty well known and uh she's coming up just to be with us and sing yeah. some harmony on some of the songs of the show this yeah. week
1: um what, what so, so what were the what, what are the circumstances surrounding the, uh, the the release of the album
0: uh you want to talk or shall <laughs> What do you want
2: to say?
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> it would have just been easier to
2: keep the mic, I think. Uh, you know, we were in a band, uh, we formed a band a long time ago, 45 years ago, basically, and we were in in England. Uh, mm-hmm. I went over to record an album with uh, the great Chaz Chandler, bass player for The Animals and producer for Jimi Hendrix. And for various reasons, contractual, of course, we were not a- able to put it out at that you know, time. This would have been the second record? This would have been or this was the first, record. The first record. This is be, before the first record, yeah. yeah. So, and we stayed over there for a year and ended up uh, playing in a a pub near where we lived. That was a six nights a week uh, jazz, pretty well known pub where a lot of the uh, heavyweights that would yeah. come into town would go there after their concerts to jam and stuff. And uh, we ended up playing there and just playing. By the end of the year, it was just one night of jazz left, and there were six nights we were doing four. Sessions and who um, were credited with starting what was called pub rock, which uh, was a, a movement of people playing in pubs and sort of having fun and having a good time, yeah. rock and rolling that sort of led from there to uh, punk rock and new waves, kind of branched out from it, and everything else that's ever happened since, of course. <laughs> well, maybe not everything. It is this weird. I mean,
1: I mean that's a, the, the the beautiful thing uh, about the story is it's sort of like weird. This missing link, you know, between these two vastly different genres. You know, I'm, I'm like I'm listening to to uh, I was listening to the album that actually you know made it out into the world and um, the the, uh, the first record, yeah 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 the record, yeah, yeah. Um, you know and and it you know t- to me at least like a cursory listen it's not, you know there's there's kind of a lot of the band in there you know sure. mm-hmm. it's uh, it's it's roots rock right so it's I mean that's that's what makes the story so good is is you guys coming over and Bridging the gap between two just incredibly dissonant genres of music. Yeah, yeah. Um, was was it clear that there was something going on? That I mean, well, know, that it was
2: quite clear that to us that, that I mean, we were. It was really a happening scene where yeah. we were just playing in this one particular pub that started out as Jack can tell you on an off night with about six people in there, yeah. and quickly became a, totally packed every time we played. That's why more bands started doing it, and our friend, uh, my friend. Uh, our friend Nick Lowe from Bringsley Swartz used to come down with his Among band. Among other things, they kind of inherited the mantle when we yeah. when we left after about a year. We came back to the states to get a deal because we didn't seem to be able to ne- negotiate a good deal when we were there. And uh, so by the end, it was quite obvious. We, were, I mean, it was very happy. It was a fantastic scene. Yeah, It was great, but we didn't know uh, what eventually transpired. For the next couple of years is when it really. The huge pub rock scene blossomed out, and
1: uh, so so that so that moment, you know, the, the uh, you're, you you go all the way to England, you you record this record with, you know, some
2: well <laughs> maybe
1: we wait for it. the question and then we can figure out who answers yeah. it. Uh, so you go all the way to England, you you know, you you record with a lot of uh, well-known musicians. It, it it doesn't come out. You're you're playing to six people. What? What, where, why the drive there? What what kept you going at that at that very dark moment? Well, you know it. It wasn't
0: dark. <laughs> no, absolutely not. I mean, honestly, we do what we do, yeah. and, and there's joy in it, and it was powerful. And we only played for six people once. The next week, we played for twelve people. Mm-hmm. You know, and and after a month or so, the place was jumping, and we were playing three nights a week and supporting ourselves all through the summer. And there was no indication that there was going to be, that all the managers were going to come in and realize we can promote our bands there and this is a viable place to be. Before that, the orientation was all getting a big record deal, doing big concerts, just a normal thing. So this was a revelation to that community. But to us, this is like, this is what we do, you know? Just like, it doesn't matter if there's one person out there or or 50 people or 200 people. It's the same experience. so, and, and there was a bit of a culture clash. In other words, maybe we would have been taken more for granted in our culture. Hmm. But in their culture, it was refreshing and organic and really swinging, and it was uninhibited, and it, and it was basically, right, would you say? Yeah, yeah, you. yeah, it really was. It was just so rocking, and I can't tell you how rocking it was with a little tiny Princeton and amp and a yeah. baby grand piano with one mic on it. Yeah. And, a, you know, a good drummer and a good bass player. I mean, we just tore it up and nobody's ears were bleeding. You know what I mean? There wasn't an anger quotient going on. Now, afterwards, you know, the the people of the punk generation, they were angry, you know, and they they had to express that anger. And that's part of that whole phenomenon, right? And And the reason maybe it goes back to us is basically we just open up the pubs as a viable venue for something to happen mm-hmm. culturally. Before that, it was, it was very, uh, I can't even think of the word now. It was just very standard. It was very prescribed. It was very limited what could happen in a yeah. pub.
1: It, it just, it, it must have felt, you know, at, at, when you're sitting there, when you're, you know, again, all the way, like halfway across the world recording with these, very famous musicians that that you've made it right (laughs) that 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 this is it that everything's going to be kind of like rock star from here on out no
0: but we weren't recording with any famous musicians we had a a famous producer sure and we made the record that we were capable of making then and the songs that we had written at that point and and performed in the way that we had performed at that point but after we made that album then we played in the pub for six months and we, you know, we morphed. We became more of a, a rock and roll band, quote mm. unquote, but not rock, quote unquote. Yeah. You know, but strictly, you would call it Americana now or roots, mm. right? Would you say? Gotcha. Yeah, and and so, you know, we evolved over the time, and it was great as yeah. a band. Uh, but we had no idea it was a business opportunity for anyone, including ourselves. It was it, a creative it was just, opportunity. It was
1: just sort of, uh, uh, what do they call it, wood shopping, you know, just kind of...
0: Oh, well, wood shedding, you mean... Woodshedding, sorry. No, yeah, but it was just life. It was yeah. life unfolding, no, we just, period.
2: We wanted to play, and we wanted to make some money, so yeah. we, we played, and we, we, and we needed to play, too. Right. We just had all this music stuff going on that we had to get out, so we, we didn't... We, you know, we were hoping, yeah, great, maybe we'll get a record deal, and this will all lead to this and that, and we did make the record... With Chaz, who was great, and yeah. in a great studio called Olympic Studios, it's gone now, unfortunately. Uh, but uh, yeah, we just had to play. That's what we did.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, I suspect you know, and, and it's and it's you know, it's kind of double-sided, right? I mean, they they they're appreciating that you're kind of this you know this American novelty that you're you're from outside, and and it's also you know maybe in a sense it's a little bit easier to. To play to six people when it's this kind of really novel situation when you're in this
0: strange land. There's just no pretense. Yeah, we're people. We're playing music. You're a person. You're appreciating it. It's that simple. Period. Everything grew from that. It's pure. You yeah. know? It's like you said. It was only
2: six people. want the person. <laughs> I... <laughs> sure, sure. It wasn't stadiums,
1: but no.
2: but by yeah. the end of it, it was. It was packed. It was yeah. just heaving with a bunch of people just having a great time, including us. Yeah. So we could Especially just play. Yes. We could play all. And then the great thing was we, we were able to play all our own original material. And I think that's another thing that made it jump out and, and attractive to other yeah. musicians that ended up playing. You know, I forget what the Clash was called before they became the Clash, but they oh, were. Oh, the
1: playing. Uh, 101ers? 101 yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah, and they were playing. They were a pub rock clatters. band. They were, they were a pub rock band yeah. and they were playing pub rock and then it just morphed into the, the, the further thing. So, yeah. uh, you know.
0: Also, I have, I have to say, me personally, we missed out on all that. We didn't experience pub rock. We didn't experience what happened after we left. Right. We weren't punksters. We weren't new wavers. And, yeah. and basically, it all happened. It's all hearsay to me. <laughs>
1: is 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 there, a, is there a tinge of regret in that, that you weren't able to kind of reap what you sowed?
0: No. No? Well, I mean, there, there's regret that uh, we weren't able to reap what we sowed as far as career-wise, financially. Yeah. But basically... I don't know how to explain it other than we didn't really experience it. Yeah. I didn't experience it. It's a phenomenon that happened after us.
1: When 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 did all this start getting back to you that, this, that you had set the entire thing in motion?
0: Well, we always heard from those guys yeah. that we made a big impression and yeah. they would always mention us in the press. And we always knew that. But for me also, that was bittersweet because you're capitalizing on it and I'm not. Yeah. So, you know... It was bittersweet, definitely bittersweet. i'd say
2: mid mid you know seventy six seventy seven by okay, then right. we knew we knew what was going on we were just and we were doing the same thing in California, just what playing our music and uh getting over and making money and living so what so 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 why
1: you know things were going really great in 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 england why why did you end up coming back
0: visas ah very difficult work permit you yeah. had to suss it out there had to be so many people coming to the states for anybody who was working in England at that time yeah and our management situation changed that's part of the reason we were there killing time we were waiting for our manager to change his situation and then time to go home and get a record deal yeah so you come back
1: how how do you, how do you join how do you join up with Link Ray
0: we were playing in the village we had our management So, (laughs) we're playing in the village and other places, and uh, we played at the the Gaslight Cafe, which was, you know, a Bob Dylan, Dave Van Ronk, on up spot from the 60s. Real
1: Greenwich Village. Right, and it had changed
0: hands a few times, but it was still an operating nightclub, you know, coffee house, there's no booze or anything. That's another thing, the whole village scene in the 60s, no booze, no beer. Coffee and ice cream. You went in coffee and ice cream. Yeah, you had to buy like a ridiculously expensive banana split and and, and spend the equivalent of, you know, 20, 20 bucks like a two drink minimum on coffee and ice cream or more, but you're gonna hear muddy waters, you're gonna hear yeah. Jimi Hendrix, you're gonna hear all these people in the Cafe Gogo, for instance, Cafe Gogo. It's a pretty so, I mean, radical departure from pub rocking. Well, not really. That was before Pub Rock. Actually, is what I'm saying. Yeah. You know, that was before. That was just in. Yeah. Bro- well, we were just
2: forming. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, we're, we're there. We're playing in this, you know, very small place, uh, the Gaslight, and Link happened to be on the bill. He had a record coming out, and uh, he was like on the circuit, hmm. and we really liked each other. And we, and at the time, we were shopping for producers. And uh, he's one of the people we talked to, and he seemed to be the best choice for us, so we did it with him.
1: He he got you guys?
0: No, no. We our manager. Well, I mean, secu-
1: he he knew what you
2: were. Oh, he absolutely to got know, us. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah.
0: Uh, and I just said this today. The, we have three great producers. There's three albums on this set. Yeah. None of them mess with our music in the yeah. least. None of us. None of them ever told us to change anything. Am I right about that? Much, yeah. I don't recall anybody asking us to do anything differently than how we do it, and that's kind of unheard of.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, you want a little bit of um, you want input from a producer.
0: Not necessarily. <laughs> we were well formed. Yeah, we had a great vocal sound. The songs were written and arranged, and there was no fad to be cut. Yeah.
2: So what? What was he? We got, we got input. I mean, do just. Suggest- yeah, I don't remember sure. any take whatever kind Well, of stuff. do another
0: take but not but like But nah, not,
1: this should sound like this. Yeah, or not like,
0: you know, get rid of that uh, bridge or, you know, yeah. Yeah, never, never went nothing out. like that. Nothing yeah. that actually altered the music, I don't think.
1: It's interesting. So what what is, you know, obviously Link Ray a the legend in his in his own right? What what is he you know, what does he bring to the table in a recording session like that?
0: He, well, basically uh, goodwill Great vibe and not being obstructive in any way, and just being helpful. And he came, he played some kitchen knife lap steel on a couple of cuts, and that's really cool. He was just a beautiful guy. Wouldn't you say? Just a great guy, and you know, you got to keep the animals calm in the barnyard. You know, (laughs) he had some of that in him. I mean. (laughs) <laughs> you know what I mean keep, keep the lunatics from running the asylum whatever we were just able you know <laughs> yeah. I, there was nothing obstructive about working yeah. with him I, there were no difficulties at yeah. all for me
2: no he was a, yeah, he was He was a friend and that's why we picked him and wanted him yeah. you know you want to have somebody on the other side of the glass you just need somebody who knows what it is you're trying to get and help you get can help you get it and even, even if that's just sitting there saying yeah that was good that was a good one or do another one or whatever you know because you can't be on both sides of the glass. It's not as, or it wasn't as easy back then. Yeah. Now, of course, the glass is gone.
1: I mean, he. you know, he was, I, 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 had a, I actually re- recently um, in, in independent of um, of uh, hearing that you you guys had gotten back together. I was revisiting some of his stuff, and he was, in, you know, in a pretty interesting place at that point. I mean, he was pretty, he was pretty countryed out by that, right? Around that time. No. Oh.
0: Yeah, yeah, and he had a. Did Tommy K produce
1: that record? Someone. Oh, that that I don't know. Yeah, there was like a yeah,
0: right around the time
1: he did a couple of yeah, real good
0: country yeah, he records. Yeah, like a name producer and it yeah. was like a big deal and they they it was almost like folk rock or country. Yeah, so. who like
2: yeah. well, the Thomas Jefferson K was oh, yeah. That? yeah, Thomas, yeah. Jefferson, Thomas K. Jefferson K. K. That yeah. was the one that was uh, had Cody and Kirchen and all those. I didn't even. He know that. did half of it out in San Francisco. Yeah, yeah, all those guys played on
0: it. A bunch of. Uh, we talked to him, you know. About producing this,
2: Tommy K. Oh, yeah. That's you know, right, we did. Was, right.
0: yeah. We went to, you know, we, we didn't know any producers, you know. Yeah. So, our manager had us trot us out to this guy or that guy, and uh, we had interviews, but uh, Link, Link was the guy. He was
1: the right guy. How, how did you, how did you fit in in, in in New York, you know, in the, I guess, a, you know, kind of tail end of the 60s, you know, as you said, like, with with Dylan around, with, you know, when I'm thinking, or Van Rock, you know, I'm thinking, obviously, like, a very, um, folk revival scene. Did you guys did you guys make sense in that setting?
2: Yeah, when we first started out we were just basically we didn't have a drummers. So we we're basically we're yeah. three I mean basically the Exoresi is three guys and a revolving cast of drummers. Some really great drummers. Do you know John Steele from The Animals oh yeah the whole year we were there and all that that in England. And uh Jay David who has worked with Doctor Hook over here Dewey degrees who worked with uh, played at Woodstock and with the Country Joe and a lot of great drummers a cast, yeah. but the three of us were the main singer songwriter guys and the, and that was our uh, was our thing. So
0: yeah, that time was really post Dylan. You know, I mean, he wasn't around. He's not yeah. walking down the streets. He's not performing anywhere. we were kind of in the James Taylor, Van Morrison, The Band mm-hmm. realm. I would say as far as time. And, and, you know, related style, I would say, or, or musical values. Yeah. yeah. The,
1: the, the three-singer-songwriter dynamic is not a super common one. How did, how did
0: the three of you come together? Audie and I were already partnered up. And yeah. We came to New York together from the West Coast. And, and playing in these little coffee houses, we, we ran across Brian Hopkins. And he, he had a higher voice, and the stuff he was writing mm. was really compatible and we just said, "Hey, come on, give it a try." And like, as soon as we sang together, we, we, it was just so, so natural that you know it was just the right thing to do.
1: You guys were in in Berkeley at one point, right? Exactly. Yeah was was that was that for school or what? What brought you out there? Same thing. Same thing. Music. So you moved. You so 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 you moved out to to California for music, and moved back to New York for music.
0: Well, yeah. we were there independently. I met Audie in Berkeley. Okay. Audie already. Had written.
1: You were both there for si- similar reasons and right. cross paths. We met
0: uh, through a mutual friend, yeah. and we, we at one point occupied a house, two bands in one household, uh, more or less, and then basically,
2: <laughs> right, more or
0: less, more or less, and, uh, and then at one point, Audie and I started writing some songs together. It was, yeah, you know, it all kind of went in that direction. With
1: was, was what was what was going on in, in you know? In Ber- uh, you know, I tend to think of you know San Francisco as being a little bit more of a hub, particularly at that that time. Why, why Berkeley?
0: Well, we had friends in Berkeley. It's yeah. just people. And I was in LA. I was making records with. a... Ramla jack Elliott, oh wow and david blue i was primarily a bass player I yeah was like 19 20 years old you were a studio guy no no way i was a folk rock bass player from greenwich village <laughs> who hooked up with a singer songwriter you were in carol Kay, who had a record contract <laughs> yeah like you know basically i mean i'm a, I'm a good bass player I yeah i'm a natural yeah. bass player but no session guy no way yeah uh so in the course of that time i met these people from berkeley uh and they had a band. They wanted me to come up and join them. And, and L. A. was no good for me because it's I was too young, basically, and no one was. I couldn't. I'm learn I'm just any getting.
1: Music. Yeah, can you get a little bit closer? For, oh I'm not, sorry. Yeah. yeah, there we go.
0: I couldn't learn any music there. I was, you know, I was only 20 years old. Yeah, and uh, it's a stone business town, so no one is really sharing any any knowledge. I wasn't qualified to like step in and and get to work.
1: Ramblin' Jack Elliott, though that's that's pretty. Well, good. That's
0: cool, but he had a, he had a major label uh, deal, and yeah. uh, you know folk rock musicians. He needed folk musicians, yeah. so that was cool. But I I just didn't see, I needed to grow. Yeah, I, I wasn't going to grow there as an artist, as a writer.
2: Berkeley at that time had a bunch of, had a bunch of pretty cool clubs. It wasn't only a wasn't only San Francisco where the scene was. A lot of great yeah. musicians in
1: well, there was the University, university in the
2: whole Bay Area, yeah. but there was a lot of great hippie bands you know country joe was there and yeah. commander cody was very soon to be in there rocking at mandrakes and the log branch and the west dakota and the whatever else
0: yeah plus Bl- berkeley's cool multi culty. it's really multi culty. yeah and san francisco i mean at that point it's over it's like mm-hmm. there's five bands and that's it yeah there's santana there's you know uh yeah jefferson airplane there's janice there's uh
1: the flags have been planted.
0: Yeah, the Grateful Dead, and yeah. there's a Quicksilver Messenger Service, and then that's it. No yeah. one else is going to do anything. It's all stuff gets very set very quickly, and there's.
1: I think it's funny though. It's like it's like stuff set in San Francisco, so let's move to New York.
0: <laughs> well, but it, but but I, San Francisco is a very small compared yeah, to New York. Fair enough. I yeah. mean, culturally, you're just going to run across a lot more people here, like in the Village. it was – it's hard to say. I mean, I never lived in San Francisco proper, so I don't know.
1: So did the band become a band because of what you were doing in 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 England?
0: No, because I mean, basically it wasn't about playing with the drummer. I mean, we could, but it was about the songwriting. Yeah. And and basically there were no paydays. We were we were, you know, we we're just passing the basket or getting certain opportunities, but Without the right drummer, I, I don't remember much about really wanting or needing a drummer while we were playing playing the folk clubs, and, yeah. and it, it didn't matter so much, right? No, do, do well, when we that?
2: St- I don't know when we started over here, we didn't have do that much stuff with drummers. But when we went to England, we got a drummer.
0: Right, exactly. We got a drummer yeah. on the record, and because then-
2: that would have been Chas's direction, I do believe. I think so. Chas's direction drummer was a friend of Noel Redding's, who was a bass player with sure. uh, Mr. Hendricks. Yeah. Mr. Hendricks, as the New York Times would call him Mr. Hendrix uh, and um, like that and so then we just started playing a, a little louder <laughs>
0: I mean we loved to and, and rocking more yeah I was in bands always you know I was a bass player I mean I was in bands with you know straight up bands so it was just a natural evolution we weren't yeah. going to make a record without drums we always f- heard and felt the material like I say like the Love and Spoonful or Van Morris sure. or James Taylor, you know, just nice, tasty, you know, not overly aggressive, but, you know, good dynamic music.
1: It's it's, it's one of those things, you know, like in, in that in hindsight, it's, you know, it seems like the way the stories are told that the lines are pretty firmly drawn between, you know, you hear hear the like the Pete Seeger Wanting to put the axe in the (laughs) soundboard, sort of story. But it it sounds like you guys were, or at least maybe by the time that you came along, things were a little more, a little faster and looser.
0: There was just no reason to draw any lines. I mean, if you listen to the album, look at Brian's song, Running Down to Memphis. It's just like a country folk song. It's just, it could have been done with drums or without drums. It's just, you know. And we just brought those elements, and it was a time where you didn't really worry about stuff like that. You just expressed yourself, right? I mean, we weren't trying to live up to any particular yeah. ideal. I don't think.
2: Yeah, the diversity was a natural thing, and that's one of the things that made it harder for us to get a record deal in England because we were, we were going like, "Well, what is this band? has got the blues band yeah. over here. They got the country stuff the fact over they here." They couldn't classify it, you know. So yeah. it was like classification was a little bit more elusive. And another thing that that made pub rock also was the the ability to just go in and have fun and play all the different styles that yeah. you wanted and and get loose like that.
0: But you know what? I have to say that pub rock, right. from what I can tell, quickly became in a box.
1: Yeah. It didn't season. really last that long, either, in the grand no. scheme of
0: things. No, because I don't think it was so deep. You know yeah. I mean, But basically, it, it became in a box, like American music. It, nothing happened outside yeah. the lines, probably. Well, that just happens with business, you know? You become something, like the San Francisco sound. Sure. And then if you're not that, you're not that. You yeah. Know? <laughs> and so... I, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I wasn't there, but 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 you know, ultimately, does does was that
2: to
1: your detriment? The fact that it was hard to classify you in terms of you know commercial
2: absolutely. success absolutely. was it to our detriment? Yeah, uh, certainly in the business. Yeah, on the business side of things, absolutely.
0: Yep. In fact,
2: so I wrote all the good songs, and Jack and Brian, <laughs> you know, cause yeah. Okay, fellas. No,
0: no, that was that was a problem, and also. You know, in the record business, I'm sure things haven't changed. The business guys they they're they're just trying to sell records. Yeah. I mean, that is the all they're doing. And on our side, we're trying to do something good musically. And and uh and but there's plenty of people that are making a lot of money in the music business and they're trying to sell records and that's the music they sure. create. And that's just not where our heads were at.
1: And, and I and I suspect that's why that's why a, a record label is going to try to push a, um, you know, a little, kind of a more exacting producer on you, as somebody to create some sort of consistency, because you know you listen, you know it's, and, and this is this is one of the the, the, the really interesting thing about having three, um, what seems like strong-willed songwriters is you know it's song to song it's it's pretty clear not only from who's singing but what the song sounds like who who wrote it. I mean it was, and and maybe maybe this is part of the fact that it comes out of that kind of that folk tradition versus like considering yourself a band that everybody's coming in with their songs and it stays their song
0: yeah there's no reason not to be i mean there was there was no great pressure from any of us to yeah change what the guy was doing we just tried to help the guy help the song be realized right as best we could and my role as a bass player on one of audi's songs or brian's songs yeah, I'm just going to hang in there and play the song because they're real songs. They did not need us to make anything up. The song is written. The, the thing is there, so we just have to exemplify it, basically. So the album, the album does eventually
1: come out. Where do you go from there?
0: We did a four month tour, the back of a van with no windows, six guys <laughs> and a and a case of beer, slamming from town to town. Right.
1: Sounds like you're still having fun at this point.
0: We're still having fun right now. <laughs> uh, basically, the truth is, we went to make our second record, yeah. and we screwed it up in many ways. Hmm. Uh, business was part of it, and basically, we didn't get to make the second record. And there's yeah, yeah for A and M, and there's lots of ways to screw it up, you know. And uh, so,
1: were you having too much fun?
0: we're just not a business organization. That's all there is to it. That's that's all I can say about it. Uh, But we kept on going because we were a real band. And uh, we didn't stop for about 10 years. And we had some other opportunities. Audio time.
2: What other opportunities? Well, the next thing we did was make a single.
0: (laughs) We stayed in Mill Valley. We played a lot. We played around the Bay Area. But once again, and I was going to say, when we were in L.A. and we were... Maybe still uh, someone came to hear us play. It might not have been on record, but someone made the comment, you know, they're a great band. I can't hear them on record. I can hear them live. They're great. Mm. So basically, we were just never oriented to make a hit record or conform or do anything but make the music the way we make it.
1: Were were, were you guys working at the same time? You know, there's there's that 10-year period that you were able to survive on music?
0: Barely. Yeah, Yeah, always. (laughs) Yeah, barely? 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 Always. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: You had some good support tours though, right? You were playing with
2: some big bands when you came out here.
0: Just that one one just period, four one, months.
2: One basically tour, sort of fall of '72. Yeah. Uh, after the record first came out. Yeah. And we had uh, premier talent booking us, even though we weren't officially signed as a contract, because our manager was a had worked for Frank Barcelona, and so he knew him very well, and they would just put us on with. All kinds of the yes, the Eagles, Black Oak Arkansas, Jay Giles band, all these various different happening bands. And there was some kind of quote around the agency said when well, people would call up, okay, hey, we got got to get an opening act. I oh, give him eggs over yeah. easy. Yeah. That was the uh, so
1: this, this is the, I mean this is the upside of like not of not being easily categorized is like
2: okay well <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> let's stick them on with the they'll, Jay they'll Giles band yeah. Yeah. Or, or the Eagles. Yeah.
0: You know, ideally for me, we would have been with James Taylor or, or Van Morrison or yeah. someone of that dynamic. You know, that was very songwriter centric, and yeah. pretty organic.
1: Were the the Eagles weren't weren't a great fit? No,
0: we did three shows with them.
1: Yeah, but I mean, that's kind of sort of. I related.
0: Right? I related absolutely. Yeah. But you know what? Also, the
1: the three uh, you know the different songwriters and
0: <laughs> they were a, may, a way more powerful organization, business wise, yeah, production wise, yeah. all the way around. They were more sophisticated than yeah. us. I mean we were right there. We did our show. We heard their show. Yeah. You know, so yeah, I related to them. I thought, wow, that's really But
1: close. but you look at like you look at Glenn Fry or Don Henley and it's like those it's clearly those are two guys who know what the fuck they're
0: doing, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah <laughs> Not only that, they had big time uh sound production yeah. uh on stage with them on tour. And they had come up through professional situations backing up uh, Linda Ronstadt and you know, other situations like that. It was in L.A. It was more of a business organization. Yeah.
2: An yeah, yeah. L.A. band,
0: yeah.
1: So yeah. so you keep it go for, going for 10 years, and then and then what happens?
0: Well, in the middle of that period, there was a guy from San Francisco named Stuart. Is it Glasser? Yeah. yeah. And he had a little label called Buffalo Records, and he wanted to cut a single, so we cut these two songs one is I'm going to put a bar in the back of my mm-hmm. car and drive myself to drink, which I think sounds?
1: was named one of the worst. Country yeah, worst titles country of all titles <laughs> t- which ever, which is a, a fantastic
0: honor. Yeah, and the and the flip side is I got a horny old lady, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and that was fun and it sounds good. It's it's in the collection. It's
1: fun, you know. It's funny. I was I was uh, you know because I, I I had listened to the first record and then um uh, the uh, uh I'm blanking on the name of the PR person sent me uh, the link to the the full collection i was listening today and it's just like oh this is oh this took a turn this, this, is, this is this is this is uh this is the same man but in a lot of ways this is clearly a different band or maybe this band's been through some shit since the last time they they recorded
0: well, you mean from title to title or do you mean for the last record fear of frying
1: yeah from for, for, uh, from between that record and yeah and the and these and these songs oh yeah so what uh were you just having more fun or what was the turn
0: well, I'll say first, Horny Old Lady was around before Eggs Over Easy. Okay. Okay. I can pick up on the parker. No? Yeah. You guys wrote it together, right? You and Brad? Yeah. Around that time or in
2: England or what? No, in the, when we were in California. Yeah. Written in California. Horny Old Lady was before Eggs Are Easy. You and me
0: wrote that song
2: in the garage oh god know, the of lord there. have mercy yeah.
1: was that like one of those like okay we're never gonna record this song no no we used to perform it you know what's
0: really funny when we were on tour we stopped at everyone's parents house at some point along the way and stayed sure. you know, the night or whatever all the moms loved that song <laughs> because it, it represented liberation like acknowledgement uh-huh. of, of female sexuality yeah. when you get down to it as crazy as that sounds you know what I mean <laughs> In those dark times, it was, sure. yeah, was yeah. shameful for a woman to admit her sexuality. Yeah.
1: You know? they'll, t- they'll take what they can get as well, far as. It was as a celebration. Like,
0: they couldn't talk about it, yeah. is basically, is what I'm saying. So so you you record these two singles? <laughs> well, them? yeah, it's a single. Two sides. Yeah. I mean, it barely came out. Yeah. No one ever heard it.
2: You know? <laughs> Except the locals in the, uh, in the bar. It was in the jukebox in yeah. all
0: the places we played. I mean, people do love it.
2: And But that was that was fine. As far
1: as you were concerned, at that point,
0: none of it was fine, but
1: <laughs> Well, right? you went no, at some point it was fine. at some point you were happy you, you were happy, and then at some point like it, it's clear that like maybe things aren't clicking the way they should be. Well, I
2: mean, at a certain point after ten years of getting yeah. it away and just doing it and playing and, and pretty much in, and nothing more had happened. Yeah. I mean we did the last record at the at the end of the ten years, but there was nothing much happening career wise and it was just becoming.
0: Yeah, it was played redundant. out. It was played out, and Audie Audi got opportunities to play with Nick Lowe and other people like that. And yeah. Audie's a really accomplished musician, more than me or Brian, I would say. You know, and uh, why sh- why shouldn't he? You know what I'm saying? Uh, take take those opportunities. That was part of it, I'm sure. And he did. Yeah, yeah so he did. So, uh, <laughs> no hard no feelings. You know, we just got all played out. Yeah, right? just like any band.
1: Just like any band. Yeah, yeah I mean, at a certain point, it's just. All right. Well, we've kind of gone as far as we can go with this thing, right? I
0: don't want to compare it to the Beatles, but I've been reading. I've been reading the book about their engineer about recording them, and he just explained it to them. They were just basically they were hanging out since they were kids, and uh, and it just got old after a while. They all needed to, you know, grow as people. That's all it boils down to.
1: Yeah, but that was, you know. (laughs) It was shockingly over a period of like seven years that they recorded all those records. Yeah, I know. It's, I mean, that's, that's the crazy thing about it. It's, it's just how quickly all of that happened. Um, so
2: where do you guys go after 10 years? I'm
1: scared.
2: I'm scared. Uh, I started playing with a guy named Bill Kirchner in the Moonlighters, and then I played with Commander Cody and just uh, working with other local bands around just to mm-hmm. keep on... Keep on moving, then I picked up a gig with uh Elvis Costello, Nick Lowe joined the Fabulous Thunderbirds for a couple of years a yeah. Bunch of stuff like that and just kept on playing. Mm-hmm. And uh Yeah. Paul Carrick, right? Sure, Paul Carrick, Barney Raitt Bob Skags, we uh, I did uh, I was the music director for a, a thing called the Bammies, the Bay Area oh, music. Yeah, yeah, I know the Bammies. Yeah, I was the sure. Bammies music director for about twelve years in there.
1: Yeah. I may have been I may, may have been to a few of those. Yeah.
2: I was there through, through basically through the '90s. I think oh, yeah. maybe I joined '89 or '90s when I started playing. Yeah, di- in that. I remember. I remember a year.
1: I remember going and watching uh, Les Claypool do dueling banjos with Buckethead, uh, <laughs> which is a very Bay Area thing yeah, to yeah, see. It's yeah. fantastic. Um, that, but that's. A, I mean, that's. You know, you're, you're you're still you're still in the industry, but I mean, in a sense, it's a shift from being one of the songwriters of the band to supporting other people's music
2: right and then I did a solo record that was out in England and another solo record uh,
1: that was out (laughs) (laughs) at some point was was there enough was there enough kind of goodwill from those early days in England that you guys were able to kind of to go back to that well in a sense to to go back and and play and people would, would turn out
2: I
0: don't think so. Honestly, uh, we went <laughs> there, back... There was
2: enough goodwill, but we, there wasn't yep. really a great... Uh, that's, that should be said. There was definitely enough goodwill, but there wasn't a, a really righteous opportunity to do it. Not a really good opportunity. I went back and did some picking around sort of a solo stuff and picked up a couple of guys that played with Nick and, you know, they backed me up, but it wasn't of any great note.
1: Yeah. At the... Um did you did you did you regret any of it at the end of at the end of ten years? You know, I mean, obviously, like there were some opportunities that... There's <laughs> a punching motion that you couldn't pick up on the audio. Uh,
0: I wouldn't say regret. No, I mean, we we made the most of it. Yeah, you know, we made, the, and, and I'll tell you, we were a victim of the times because there just weren't yeah. any indie labels. We had no, we didn't have the capacity. You know, that last record is really great that we got able, to, we were able to make it because. Uh, that was to me. That was my peak, certainly as a songwriter, band member, particularly one song at the scene of the crime. You know, and and we just killed it, and the guys played it great and beautiful, great background vocals. You know, and it, and it's a, uh, you know, we just got it to that certain point, and uh, so there's no real regrets. Uh, you just can't go back. You know, but but,
2: but no, I had a great time, no regrets. Yeah.
1: But had but if time. anything, I mean, isn't that isn't that kind of more a little more heartbreaking that you guys are at the height of your power? at the end yeah, that you're the, a better man than you've ever been
0: yeah but the thing is in life you know uh if we were making big money we would have kept going yeah we had zero support we had no support there was no opportunity for us i, I know what i was going to say it's just basically it's all about in the wrong time in the wrong place yeah. i mean uh what what happened right then i mean new wave drum machines flock of seagulls i mean you know how can I say it if we weren't in that little elite group of uh, you know like uh, John Hyatt let's say or Bonnie Raitt who was still doing organic type music Mm -hmm. if we weren't in that little elite group and we weren't because we weren't in LA we weren't Mm -hmm. in New York you know we were in Northern California in a pretty obscure little town uh, maybe we could have we would have kept going, obviously, if we had success. But at that point,
1: it's 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 funny that you know that, that you've you were around so many well-known people that you inspired so many well-known people, but you couldn't you couldn't you just couldn't couldn't be
0: in that club. That's bittersweet. I had to bury it personally. Like Audie had opportunities. God bless him. Yeah. You know, and he and he got to interact with those people and, and get the rewards of you know what he really has to offer. Yeah. I've been more isolated, but I don't really care. I've always kept writing. I do what I do. I've got really good songs that I've written since that hope hopefully we'll hear if we get some attention from, from this release. And uh, I've learned how to produce, and I've, I've been doing live sound and engineering a lot of shows in New York for the last 20 years. Live shows, Blue Note, City Winery, a lot of different places.
1: I'm, I'm trying, you know, I'm, I'm I'm trying to sort of like you know get to that point in my life where I can be happy for my friend's success, but it's not, it's not the easiest thing in the world to do.
0: You know, you gotta you gotta live with yourself. You yeah. know, I mean, the people that get it deserve it. You can't think I yeah. deserve it and I'm not getting it. I mean, but I but but here's the thing: this label is curating us. On the, well, they love the story. First of all, it's a good. This it, is a Yes Rock yeah it's yeah. a good story, and it's a true story but but basically it's on the st- if the music wasn't really good, yeah, why put it out yeah you know? I think the music holds up, and to me that's extremely satisfying
1: but you've both been able to stay around music absolutely, oh yeah. 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 yeah
2: yeah absolutely
1: and so so okay so so what 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 is the what is the yep rock story how how does how does all this circle back around why are, why are we why are we all here?
0: <laughs> not yeah. not in the universe, no, 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 no. but in this apartment. <laughs> uh, short story: Matt Hanks, who's who's a you know very good publicist in town, yeah. came across our record five you know five six seven years yeah. ago. Uh, uh, an earlier reissue by Hux on an English label, limited reissue of the A and M record, and uh, it mentioned in the liner notes that I was playing in New York. I was playing at BB King's, Lucille's, and BB King's like frequently. And so he showed up one time with his friend and with an album and uh, had me it, and I was shocked. Like, where did you ever hear this thing? And uh, so, just that it
1: was that it was somebody like so young, or just that anybody had. Heard that it?
0: anybody, I mean, <laughs> I, you know, out of the yeah. blue, and you know, yeah, so many years
1: later, yeah, 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 thirty-five years right. later. So you you wouldn't you wouldn't there, there wasn't at any point at all you wouldn't sort of stumble along and people would would know it and there wasn't an, there wasn't was was that legacy. I mean, it sounds like it's still kind of in place in, in the UK, but there, that never really was out here.
0: Obscurity is our largest asset <laughs> right now. Yeah. You know, like supply and demand is what I'm trying to sure. say. You know, sure. but, the, but... The cool factor. Well, whatever. It's a true thing. And, yeah. and frequently, it has just never gone away. It has always popped up, you know, one way or the yeah. other. It's just never died. The gift that just doesn't stop giving. is over easy to us when we've left it way behind. Yeah. Other people have kept, have valued what we did, and and somehow, you know, kept that value growing. And there's an example. So so Matt just always felt like, you know, somebody's got to put your stuff out. Somebody's got your stuff, got your stuff out. And he deals with a lot of labels, and and uh, I'm sure he's talked to us with a lot, about us two people. And Yep responded. Hmm. They 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 wanted to do it, and they contacted us, and you know, yeah, we,
2: Glenn Dicker who. Uh, runs the company, st- dug it, and uh, he knew me from various, playing with some other people, so kind of knew about the story anyway, and so they just sort of decided they wanted to really b- drive it home, so here they are, Yeah, and we, it, all, we all work. A, you know, yeah. LPs, CDs, big booklet, it's great, yeah. fantastic, unexpected, but Fantastic.
1: Was there was there ever a sense of you know of of either you know maybe someday something will become of all this or even in in you know the last like fifteen twenty years when we're seeing all these reissues that like maybe there's a maybe there's a chance.
2: I never gave it a second thought. Really, yeah. I don't think at that point. You no know, one's once once, yeah. once it was done. I mean, I always loved it. Loved the music. Loved Brian. Loved Jack. And I loved the time that we had and the music that we made together. But never was never really wow can. No, yeah. not it, for me re- particularly. Well, not only
0: that, we've always... There have been a couple of reissues. Yeah. Edsel, you know, one of... Uh, what's the parent company for Edsel?
2: Oh, it was a Demon Records. Store. Yeah, Demon Records. uh started stiff, Jake Rott, uh, okay. Riviera, that yeah. started Demon Records.
0: So they did it when it was still vinyl only, you know? Yeah, they, in, in the UK? Yeah, they had yeah. it on their label. And it was reissued. And, and, uh, yeah, Japanese. Records. Yeah, Japan. And then this Hux, like, you know... Eight, eight, eight years ago, I think so. The Korean one, yeah. Somebody's got fear of frying out like a Korean bootleg, and you can buy it on the internet. Yeah, it's crazy, man. And they even have the cover art. Where they ever found the cover art? Because it was only out in vinyl. Huh. How it got that far? Who knows? But uh, so anyway, there've been a few reissues. But any artist who's done anything that they value, yeah, there's always hope that it's going to emerge or be, you know, still be alive
1: there's never was there ever like me, a sense anyway. of like oh now we can go toward japan <laughs> well we could have
0: we yeah. really could we could go toward japan right now i can guarantee you that you,
1: I, you guys you guys will get a yeah I, that's a good question why why yeah why you, do
0: i say that why, why no why
1: why why
0: wouldn't you tour japan well you have to hook it up you have yeah. to get an agent you have to get a manager you have yeah. to sell it to someone over there you have to i mean with this product out it's, it's way more feasible to do it
1: Do do you think do you think that plays into what you were saying before about uh, about scarcity being a commodity? The fact that it's this kind of obscure American thing. Totally.
0: Yeah. Come on. I mean, every everyone else has already been brought out. We're like the last thing.
1: It's it's no it's it's funny that you say that because especially in 2016, where I could go to like Spotify and listen to everything everybody's ever put out. What a crazy novelty that maybe there's something out there that's good that that I haven't heard before.
0: Right, there's plenty that we haven't heard, but how much of it is good? Yeah, how many, right.
1: How much of it is worth revisiting? But the, but the Yep Rock reissue is it's different, right? I mean, it's 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 bigger. Well, it's a three vinyl set. Yeah,
0: I mean, it's 34 songs. It's it's our whole catalog basically,
1: and it's enough to kind of you know bring you guys together and come out and do a publicity tour and we would
0: have done it for one record i mean yeah. i would have i would do it on any the music always is special to me that particular music i'm funky but i'm clean the first song Audien i ever wrote it's always going to be good yeah people are always going to smile when we yeah. play it yeah you know it's it's i can't explain it do, do you um I mean,
1: you know, you, you you've, you've said you've, pl- you've you've played a bit here and there over over the over the over the years. Um, you know, do you do do you, do you have that desire to kind of start writing and and making making new stuff together?
0: Yeah, I do. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. I've got a song put together. I went for Audie to write the bridge. Right now, we don't have the time. We'll find the time. We got to get on the road, so yeah. that's what we have time to do.
2: right? Yeah, we're both busy with our own separate lives lots of stuff going on with uh, in Jack's life and also in my life too some of it musical and some of it not musical some with a disability and that's and I started a non-profit on that and that's very time consuming
1: but you know this uh, this is like this kind of gets back to what we were saying earlier which is like this is this is the the moment right this is the time I mean if you're going to do it then this is this is the time to do it like you know people are are listening this would be you know if you want to if you want to write a bridge to the song this would be the time to write that bridge
0: absolutely and and uh we'll just have to see what kind of opportunities arise from many people hearing this music i mean i'd love to go out and do some stuff it'd be great really yeah
2: it'd be great nice to record some new
0: tunes yeah i mean we've got we've got tunes really good tunes that if we've Albums worth between the two of us. I'm sure we could go cut a whole record right now and not even have to write anything of like my most solid material and audience over this you know 15 year period.
1: Well, and and that was always that was always kind of part of the story. I mean, everything I read about you guys was like they've got a hundred songs. You know, they've they've got more. They've got more songs than they know what to do with. There's
2: more. Yeah. 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 Always more. So
1: what? I mean, what is, is, as far as what you guys are able to do there? I know obviously a lot of it's in flux between personal lives and how well the reissue is received, but what is is the future, as far as you can predict it, look like now?
2: Well, at the moment, I mean, all I can really see in the immediate future is to do a few more showcase gigs around the country, San Francisco, maybe Chicago, New Orleans, try to get one over in London. But that's a little more expensive proposition. We're going to see if we can stir up some sauce. If we can stir up some sauce, then we can see what we can do to go further.
0: Yeah, we need people to respond. I mean, my mindset is we need somebody to fall in love with one of these songs. You know, like a music director for a film. Sure. Or anyone anywhere. Yeah, Yeah, anyone anywhere, a promoter, a club owner, anyone in any strata. You know, uh, to fall in love with any yep. one of those songs, is going to be a, a move forward. You know, and this release is going to create those opportunities. I would hope.
1: And I mean that—that that obviously is not a an issue specific to you. I mean, that's just that's where the music industry is right, right now, right? I mean, that's absolutely. that's the only way to kind of really get anything going. Is
2: yeah. absolutely that's one of the big ones.
1: But if the, uh, you know, if I, if if Honda doesn't pick up the bar in the back of the car, then I don't, yeah. I don't know what.
0: <laughs> I, don't, I think they get in a lot of trouble. <laughs> using that song, yeah, they could use a few bars of it. Well,
2: it depends on no, depends what they use it for. <laughs> depends what they use
1: it for. Uh, so, you, so you guys are actually going to like practice? <laughs> Is this what it sounded like. Yeah, you going to rehearse. I mean, we have to, then, because
0: yeah. We we have to work out this material, uh, how to present it in this form. Yeah, so, as a duo with a, a little vocal help
1: from uh, Elizabeth. Okay, so are you able to? I mean it's I guess it is in a sense it's three of you again but are you able to do all the songs is anybody you know
2: Well, probably not all of the songs. Yeah. Certainly. I mean obviously we will be weaker on performing Brian's songs but yeah. luckily his daughter will get his daughter to sing at least one to represent him yeah. and she can represent some of the vocal stuff we, we'll do a few th- things with her but yeah we can do most of them I'd say. Yeah. Some of them have uh Seems like it might be necessary to drop them in pitch, just a
0: couple notes. Yeah. yeah.
2: But other than that, you know, we can we can pretty much put put any of them across. We have a great musical simpatico. So.
0: Yeah, something magic happens when Audie and I play, and it's truly, I mean, truly, <laughs> and it's just bigger than the sum of its Was parts. Was that a laugh
1: of agreement or disagreement?
0: No, no, it's true. <laughs> it, 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 it's it's just. I mean, we did a radio show today, and it wasn't perfect by any means. Yeah. You know. But the spirit was intact. And, and uh, it's, you know, we're going to go do these songs at the Rockwood, and they're just wonderful songs. Yeah. And if we're comfortable and people are there, attentive, and pulling, pulling it out of us, which we know they will be, uh, it's going to be beautiful. It really is. Because these songs are really jewels. They really are. There's nothing phony, there's not a phony moment in any of these songs.
1: And, and and you know it, was, it sounds like it was never about being perfect in the first place. This band, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, we
0: tried. You know, we we tried our, to hone our craft as well as we could. But but uh, basically, the songs are perfect as far yeah. as I'm concerned. You know,
1: I mean, and it's and it sounds like you've always been. It sounds like you've always been a live band. I mean, that's yeah, very That's much. that's what it attracted to pe- people to you. But it, but that maybe that was. Part of the downfall, right? Is that is that you know the it, you weren't able to maybe focus as much on the records as just sort of playing out for people.
2: I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't consider that there was a downfall. Yeah. It was just that there wasn't enough of an upgrade. Whatever. <laughs> you know, it wasn't. I don't, I don't yeah. feel. I don't feel there was a like a. Oh man, that's when. That's sure. when we really hit the. T- I don't think we ever did hit the tanks. I think we just. We just played great stuff from the very beginning when we were doing it in New York, and then in London, and when we moved out to Mill Valley, it's still the same. I mean, I mean, I remember just one particular night we were playing out in Concord at a place called Snowshoe Thompson Saloon, mm-hmm. and this guy comes up at the end of the night, and says, "You guys are really great. Do you ever write any original songs?" We just done on the night <laughs> of all original songs. Yeah, but but that's and so yeah, I said, "Yeah, sometimes," you know, I was like. Well, it's great. I mean, they loved. They liked it. They thought these. Oh, these are good songs. Like a friend of mine says. Oh, it sounds like he wrote that himself. It wasn't like.
1: <laughs> but that. but but I think I mean I I, th- I think that's uh, I think we're in agreement on that though. I, like that's it's not I, I, downfall was the wrong term, but it, that it, you know that you weren't able to hit, reach the next level because those weren't
2: recorded. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Whatever. <laughs> Who knows. Who knows? It's Just that in terms
1: of success and in terms of, of of going and in terms of people being able to recognize music in terms of potentially having a hit, like it would have been useful to have been a stronger recording band.
0: Well, yeah, yeah. we didn't get that much opportunity. Yeah. I mean, we didn't... But, but also, you have to... I mean, in that realm that we were competing with, with the exception of maybe the Eagles, I mean, you got to think about the Beach Boys having like all professional backing musicians sure. backing them up and making those records. Yeah. And and that was the standard in yeah. the industry. Yeah. Uh, and, and basically, we were an organic little group of humans that do it completely in a direct fashion uh, like we do it. So that was our appeal, and maybe that was our limitation, yeah. too, as far as the large market.
2: Limitation, yeah, it's a better word than downfall. <laughs> I mean, look at
0: James Taylor. He had all the best yeah. guys in LA yeah. making his records,
1: and yet, yet you were able to facilitate that kind of DIY attitude.
2: For
0: well, I guess that was part of it. Yeah. I guess that was part of it. Our appeal um, in London,
2: And as you say, Bob Rock didn't last. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but punk did okay. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. no, and a bunch of people came out of it yeah. and did, did great. You yeah, know, Nick course. still does great. Yeah. Elvis Costello does, does great. It right? You know uh, Paul Carrick still does great. Sure, yeah. He's, he does. Dave tours yeah. England. I mean, yeah. it great. It's fantastic. Can't tra- doesn't translate over to the U.S. Yeah. very well, but he um, doesn't need
1: it. Do, do you? I mean, is uh, it, it, when when you look back at what you what you did as a band? I mean, is that this is two separate questions for each of you? But is that the thing you're most proud of? That in that light. catalog, in, in, in it, well, you know, I mean, obviously, like excluding family, but in terms of like being a you know a creative person, as a musician, as a songwriter, <laughs> yeah. as an artist,
2: uh, yeah, it's certainly one of the things I'm most proud of. Yeah. Absolutely, it was great. I mean, great music, really, really fun, and uh, had an impact of some furious, pretty serious note, you know, and uh, yeah, it's great. Most delight.
0: I'm proud of it but I never stopped you know so yeah. to me I've I've written a lot of stuff since I mean I'm very much into writing them and I've learned how to produce and, yeah. and, and I love to play and so it's all part of the progression for me yeah. as an artist and so I'm proud of the stuff that I've written since you know that's a group effort basically I've never run across anybody in New York since I've been here that I could have that type of collaborative hmm. effort with as these guys I mean it's it's unique it's it's natural. It's not something you can manufacture. We're not going to get that sound with anyone else. We'll never get the sound of, of Brian with the two of us. We may go out and get a rhythm section and make some beautiful music, but it's just never going to quite have that character or flavor specifically. And so what we did was very specific to that personnel, I would say, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, totally special.
1: And it's still, I mean, even though it's down down from three to two, it's still... It's, it's still there?
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. We- yes, absolutely. And we experienced it today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: And we'll be we experiencing it on Monday. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, it's good. I, I can't tell you. It's so good to still be doing it with Audie. Yeah. It's, it's great.
1: There you go. Those Jack O'Hara and Austin DeLeon of Eggs Over Easy. Thank you so much to them for taking the time to do that. Really fascinating conversation. It was uh, a, a little bit more historical, you know, and, and a little bit more uh, reminiscing than we usually do on the show, um, but very, very worth it. Really, really fascinating uh, conversation with a very fascinating group of guys who were... Uh, it, 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 very very seldom do you get to speak to somebody who is just kind of a link between two extremely dissonant music scenes. Um, you know, if you listen to the band's... They they've got a new release or a, a retrospective out on Yep Rock right now called Good and Cheap: The Eggs Over Easy Story. Um, they kind of sound like the band, you know. They they sound a, a bit like a, a folk rock band, um, you know. A lot of their stuff definitely veers in, into country, but they were they were that missing link between that kind of that that rootsy folksy Americana and what turned into the pub rock scene. You know what what turned into. Um, to to stiff record bands like like uh, like Nick Lowe and Elvis Costello, Dave Edmond, things like that. Um, just right there. I mean, they were, you know, they they overlapped with Jimi Hendrix and also overlapped with Elvis Costello. That's it's just just completely crazy. Oh, also by the way, it's also a very very good record. Uh, definitely worth worth checking out. Um, Criminally overlooked as. Is put in the subtitle of the Yep Rock release. So thank you so much for them to, to them to, for taking the time to do that. Really enjoyed that conversation. Uh, thanks to Shorefire for helping set that up. Thanks to Brian as always for editing the show together. Thanks to you guys for for listening. Uh, thanks to everybody for who has supported the show thus far. You can you can support us over on Patreon. You can also. If you're a, a struggling artist like the rest of us, you can also uh, support us just by rating us over over at iTunes or uh, wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Or, you know, if you like the show, uh, please tell a friend. Uh, thank you so much. Lots of good episodes lined up. Have a, a, a lot of uh, really amazing conversations in the can. So we will be back just about this time next week with another episode of RAYL.